Well, for those of you that have been walking through the book of Daniel with me, at least through the first six chapters so far, you know that there's 12 chapters in the book of Daniel, and we are going to be completing the book of Daniel in this series on Daniel this morning. Now, if you're familiar with the book, you're probably wondering how in the world are we going to do that with all that's in those last six chapters of the book of Daniel. We're going to focus on just a few things in the book of Daniel. The title of the message this morning, if you saw it, was, This Life is a Battle. This Life is a Battle. You know, sometimes we look at the Bible characters that we read about, and somehow or other we think that they're some sort of super spiritual human beings that we can hardly relate to. And the reality is, Though God used so many of these men and women in mighty, mighty ways, they're all human beings like us. They struggled just like us. If you go back into those stories that we're so familiar with, we'll see that Moses had a few problems. Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, David, and Daniel. Not everything was always a better roses for any of these people. They struggled with their emotions and their feelings, disappointments, challenges, and tests and trials like we do. So far in the book of Daniel, we have seen in the first six chapters that it's been written as more of a storytelling or a narrative about historical events by Daniel, things that had taken place. Some amazing stories about Daniel, his friends Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We know about the fiery furnace. We know about Daniel in the lion's den. But it's been more of a narrative telling us the history of some things that took place. If you're familiar with Daniel, you know that chapters 7 through 12 are totally different. In these chapters, Daniel receives different visions, dreams from the Lord. And they are unnerving in many, many ways to Daniel, like they would probably be to all of us. Daniel shares with us from these visions and dreams things that are going to to reveal to him and to us some of the things that God's chosen people were going to have to go through. And there were some terrible things that they were going to have to go through. And Daniel, in spite of this, never loses sight of the Lord. And that's the emphasis, really, for all of us. Things happen. Life is a battle. We need to take a lesson from Daniel and never lose sight of God, no matter what it is that we're going through. But Daniel never downplays whatsoever the horrors that God's chosen people were going to have to face. And we, as God's chosen people, are going to have to face Many of the visions and the dreams and the prophetic things that he saw were going to be taking place in the near term. And even in the near term, I mean, maybe in the next three, four centuries. But some of these things are still yet to take place and unfold as we go into the end times. We could spend weeks, probably months, on these remaining chapters of Daniel trying to understand these visions and dreams and prophecies. But what I want us to focus on is Daniel, his humanness, and his ability, even in the darkest of times, to remain steadfast and keep his eyes on the Lord. 
we get to see some of Daniel's human side, whereas in the first six verses, it was just like we never heard a complaint. We never heard a negative thing. We never heard a negative thought. I want to share just some verses that are in these next few chapters to give you an idea of what Daniel was feeling and experiencing. Daniel 7, verse 15, Daniel says, My spirit was distressed within me. And these visions that were in my mind, they kept alarming me, scaring me, making me nervous. 8, verse 27, he says, I was exhausted. I was sick for days. And then I got up and carried on my business. Chapter 10, verse 8, he says, I was left alone and I saw this vision. Yet no strength was left in me. My natural color turned to a deathly pallor, and I retained no strength. Daniel was in emotional agony going through so many of these things. Verse 16, Behold, one who resembled a human being touched my lips, and I opened my mouth, and I spoke and said to him, My Lord, as a result of the vision, anguish has come upon me. And I have no strength left in me. I've retained no strength. And in verse 17 of chapter 10, For how can such a servant of my Lord talk with such a one as my Lord? As for me, there remains no strength in me. There is no breath even left in me. Some of us may be able to relate to those kinds of feelings and some of the things that we've gone through in this battle of life. We face difficult things. We face challenges. And sometimes we as Christians almost feel guilty about realizing that we're struggling. Things are tough. I hurt. I don't know what to do. Sometimes other well-intentioned Christians will say things to us, trying to almost blow off what it is we're going through. We need to understand from Daniel that it's okay to go through these types of emotions, these types of feelings. It's interesting to me to see that Daniel, this mighty man of God, and man alive would have been fun to know Daniel, to see the faith that this man had, to face the challenges that he faced. But isn't it a little bit of a relief to realize that this mighty man of God could be wrecked by bad news. He could be wrecked emotionally. The wind's kicked out of his stomach. He can't really breathe. His, his, he looks like he's going to pass out. Anguish, no strength. All of these things took place while he was still fully convinced of God's authority, God's power, God's love, and God's compassion. Trusting in a God, a great God like we serve, And struggling in the presence of these things are not mutually exclusive of one another. And I think sometimes we forget that. Our trust in God can be strong. Our confidence in him and knowing we're secure in Christ can be strong. And yet during trials and tests that we things that we go through in this battle of life, man, they can inflict a lot of pain on us. Emotional pain, psychological pain, even physical pain. The fact that they can coexist together isn't really a contradiction. I've been sharing with you a lot of the things that I've 
main ideas that I've been sharing came from a book called Heaven Rules, written by Nancy DeMoss Wolgamuth. And in there, there was a line that I, I wrote down. And it was a line that a woman who had been diagnosed by now, she was in stage four cancer. And she'd been going through all of the issues and emotions and fears that you might go through with that diagnosis. But she shared with the author, Nancy, she shared with her something a friend told her early in her diagnosis. And I wanted to share what that friend said. She wrote these words. A friend encouraged me early on to be okay with consuming pain and grief. To be gentle with myself in the sleepless nights of constant tears and the physical stress of it all. Some of us have been there. And if we are not aware and keeping our eyes focused on the Lord, the enemy can have a field day with the condition that we're in. He will come with those accusations that somehow our faith must not be strong enough. Our faith must not be real. If it was, we couldn't feel that way. If it was, we could just shrug it off and go on with life. And the reality is, that's not true. In a very human sense, we need to remember life is a battle. And life on this earth is always going to be a battle. And we as human beings are always going to be vulnerable in the midst of that battle to pain and suffering. We still live in a fallen world. And there's an enemy that we need to be aware of. But I want you to remember this line. Being wrecked by the battle is not the same as losing the battle. Being wrecked by the battle is not the same as losing the battle. It's not the perfect analogy, but think of some of the greatest battles that have been won on the battlefield fighting for freedom and liberty. The pain, the suffering, the agony, the lives that were lost during those battles. But the war was won. The battles were won. This is what we need to realize, that we are going to suffer. Our emotions, our feelings, all of these things are going to be challenged, but we don't lose the battle. In chapter 7 through 12, God gives Daniel these visions, as I mentioned. Dreams, visions, prophetic words for Daniel and for us. And I think one of the primary reasons he gave us those visions and words for what was going to happen in the future of Israel as a nation, what they were going to go through, what God's chosen people were going to go through in the next hundreds of years. Some of those prophecies, the near term was 400 years out. Some of those prophecies are waiting to be fulfilled yet today in the end of time when Jesus returns. And in between all of that, while that's all taking place, there's a lot of battles going to happen. And I believe one of the reasons the Lord gave those to Daniel, and he gives them to us through Daniel, is that God wants us to know he's not going to be caught off guard. He knows what's coming. He knows what's going to happen, and he's still in control. Heaven truly rules. No matter what's taking place, 
when it comes, even in these days that we are living in now, we can look at some of these things and we find ourselves saying one of two things. Well, what do we expect? The Bible clears. It's going to get worse. Evil's going to get worse and worse. Or we can just freak out and panic and let fear and anxiety creep in as if we're not been told that these things are going to happen, that it's going to get worse. Whatever battle we're fighting at a personal level as well, we need to be reminded heaven rules, God rules. He is still in control. Nothing catches him off guard. So where do these battles come from? Some of this is obvious. Some of it might not be quite so obvious. Where do these battles come from? Well, I'd like to offer a few suggestions. One, they come from just the day-to-day challenges of living life. We are in battles, a lot of us, every day. Work-related battles. Family relationships. Work. You name it. Every day. Appliances break down. Mortgage payments we can't meet. Bills that we can't pay every day. Some of us are facing these kinds of battles. And then we need to remember we also live in this fallen world where there is still sickness and there is still disease and there is still death. Those things are going to remain until Christ returns. That's the world that we're living in because of sin. There's tragedies and accidents that take place that we can't explain. Things that are happening because of circumstances totally beyond our control. Battles facing every day. And if that's not enough, all of those things, there is a devil. There is an enemy. And we need to remember, Satan hates God. And therefore, he hates God's people. And he attacks God's people to get at God to try to destroy our faith, to try to get us to live in fear, oppression, depression. When we look at Daniel's visions, and as I said, I'm not going to go through all his visions and dreams. I'm not going to go through all the details, but a lot of them were horrific to him. They're prophetic. Some of them were showing the different kings and kingdoms that were going to come in the next few hundred years. Some of them, as I said, stretch out even to this day and into the future. One of the visions that he had, the first one we read about, had a lion with wings, and it gets worse. There's a bear, then there's a leopard that has four wings and four heads, and then there's a terrifying fourth animal with all these horns, and it keeps talking about the little horn. As you read through these, it comes back to this little horn. There's one about the ram and the goat, and all of these things are showing him a picture of what's coming in the future. And one of the things that shows up over and over is this little horn. And without going into a terrible lot of detail, it looks like a lot of historians believe the first fulfillment of that little horn might have been seen about 400 years after this dream and vision came to him. When a horrible, horrible leader persecuting Christians, persecuting the Jewish people, persecuting and killing took place. It was horrific. But the little horn also by most theologians is a picture for us of what's coming as the Antichrist comes in the end of time. 
And whichever way we look at it, it's going to be horrific. Here, here's just a little bit in Daniel chapter 8. In chapter 7, verse 21, it said he, he was waging war with the saints and overpowering them. And then in verse 24 of chapter 8, it says, He will become strong, not by his own power. He will cause astounding devastation and will succeed in whatever he does. He will destroy the mighty man and the holy people. He will cause deceit to prosper. He will consider himself superior. When they feel secure, he will destroy many and take his stand amongst against the princes of prince of princes. Daniel 11, verse 30. Then he will turn back and vent his fury against the Holy Covenant. He will return and show favor to those who forsake the Holy Covenant. His armed forces will rise up to desecrate the temple fortress and will abolish the daily sacrifice. Then they will set up the abomination that causes desolation. And as Daniel is reading reading these things, not reading them, he's receiving these visions and dreams. He's realizing, as he gets interpretation from the ones he doesn't understand, from angels, that this is his people that are going to be suffering. This is what's going to happen, and this is what caused him to feel so distraught, like I shared earlier in a few of those scriptures. And we're going to get to Daniel chapter 10. And I'm kind of going to get into what I really want us to see here in terms of the battle. In Daniel chapter 10, it starts out, it appears that Daniel is totally distraught. It doesn't even really tell us why. Things chronologically don't flow that way, chronologically in these verses. So it's a little hard to tell exactly what's going on here. But what we do know is Daniel says he's been three weeks without eating any tasty food, without any wine, without using ointments upon his body. And he's going to show us something that that helps us to understand and reveals to Daniel that we don't live in a three-dimensional world only. We sometimes forget that. There is a spiritual world that to us, It's hard to imagine, it's hard to fathom, it's hard to see. But in reality, it's as real as what we see here on earth, maybe more real, maybe more true. And there's a three-dimensional world we live in. And Daniel has been mourning these entire three weeks. He's been seeking the Lord. He's been praying. And as I said, he hadn't eaten any foods, uh, tasty foods, it says, any meats, all of these things. But he had been praying and seeking God. And an angel comes to him. And we know that this angel is Gabriel. It tells us this. This Gabriel comes to him. And he shares with him there's going to be more battles. And there's going to be more conflicts to come. But he preceded that information with something that should be encouraging. And I want to read in Daniel chapter 10, verses 12 through 14. The angel is we talking about. He says, then he continued and he says, do not be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day. Now, Daniel's been doing this for 21 days. He says, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me for 21 days. Then Michael, 
another angel. One of the chief princes came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now, when we just read that without much understanding, we get, can get really confused. What's going on here? This is something I think very important that we need to understand here. 21 days he'd been crying out. And by that 21st day, Daniel's probably wondering, God, where are you? Are you listening? Do you hear me? And he gets this message from the angel. God heard you, Daniel. From the very first day, he heard you. God was listening. God hears our prayers. Sometimes we can get stuck and we feel like, God, where are you? You're not listening. Do you not hear my prayers? Have I been abandoned? What do I do? For 21 days, Daniel had been praying and seeking the Lord. But there was way more going on than what Daniel could see in this three-dimensional world that we live in. It seems to suggest here, very clearly to me anyway, there are powerful demons or messengers of Satan that seem to be connected to world powers, world empires, world governments. And they're trying to undermine God's rule and to hurt his people. What am I talking about? The prince of Persia fought against the messenger of God for 21 days. And he was powerful enough that God had to send Michael, another angel, a more powerful angel, so that the message could come. While he was praying, something was going on in the heavenlies that was beyond what we could imagine. But his prayers were heard. His prayers were effective. And as a result of his prayers, God sent the messenger to Daniel. It appears to me that battles taking place here on earth may simply represent greater spiritual conflict that is taking place in the heavenlies that we don't see, that we're not aware of. Many of the battles that we see on earth between good and evil, between truth and lies, between the people of God and those who hate God, oppose God, really may be a reflection of what's taking place in the spiritual realm that we're not even aware of. And so many of the battles that are taking place in our own families, in our own churches, with our own physical bodies, and anywhere else that we live in this world, could be representing something that's taking place in the heavenly realm. Daniel's prayers were heard. God was listening. There was a reason that the answer was slow to come. It should give us, or at least it gives me, reading that and then going into the New Testament to Ephesians chapter 6, where these words are written in verse 10. Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the mighty, his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God that you take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, 
against the authorities and the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. To me, that describes perfectly what was taking place when Daniel was seeking God, looking for comfort, looking for answers. And it would be easy to get our eyes off of God and onto circumstances, onto situations, onto people, onto those that we think are the cause of all the problems without even realizing that the battle is not flesh and blood. One of the keys that allowed Daniel to be successful and maintain his confidence in God, I believe, can be found in Daniel 10, verse 5. Daniel says, I looked up. To me, that's a metaphor for us to say we look to the Lord. We look to God in the midst of these things. It says, I looked up. And therefore, there before me was a man dressed in linen with a belt of gold, finest gold around his waist. He says, I looked up. I kept my eyes on the Lord. And all of a sudden, there was this messenger from the Lord. All of a sudden, I received revelation. All of a sudden, truth broke through in the midst of this battle that he was fighting. He looked up. And this, as we go through the book of Daniel, we see that that was a lifelong habit of Daniel's. He always went to the Lord. He kept his eyes focused on God. He prayed to God. He was a perfect example of us of watching and praying. Watching and praying. And watching the right things. Watching the Lord, keeping an eye on the Lord, keeping an eye on the word of God, the truth of God, not on the circumstances, not on other people, not on our situation. It's looking in that right direction, looking to the Lord is where we find our confidence and our courage in whatever battle we find ourselves in. Remember in the garden when Jesus went there and his disciples kept falling asleep. Jesus' words were simple. Watch and pray. Watch and pray. There was a battle taking place in the spiritual realm that night, like I can't even imagine. Satan thought he was closing the deal. Jesus was going to be dealt with. The battle in the spiritual realm. And Jesus' encouragement to his disciples was watch and pray that you not fall into temptation. Keep your eyes on the Lord. We're all in a battle. And until we're no longer on this earth or Jesus comes back, we are going to be in battles. And because of our humanity, we are going to suffer pain in these battles. But God's still on the throne. I want to give you three very practical keys for each one of us when we're in the battle. And you can go through these chapters that I'm reading and you're going to see all of these even spoken by angels to Daniel. The first one is this. The truth is our primary weapon. The truth. For us, that could just as well be the word of God. Angels came to Daniel and they said, Daniel, I'm going to tell you the truth about what's happening. Don't get your eyes on the battle. Don't forget, here's the truth. For all of us, we need to realize 
It's not our thoughts, not our emotions, not our opinions, but the truth of God's word that we need in the battles. There's a reason in Ephesians 6, 17, when it's talking about putting on the whole armor of God, it says this, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The word of God. One of the many, many reasons we need to be in the word and understanding the word and knowing the word, it is what we can use effectively against the lies and deceptions of Satan. The truth to counter the lies, the deceptions. Oh, and Satan will use that over and over to try to deceive us in so many ways. The truth, the word of God. My my one-string banjo, get in the Word, be in the Word, read the Word. Just let the Word of God fill your heart, fill your mind. You're prepared for the battles. The second one is peace and strength. The angel touched him. And peace to you. Be very strong. Daniel was declaring, I have no strength. There's no breath even left in me. And God's angel and his words brought peace and strength. Peace and strength in the midst of the battles. Not fear, not anxiety, not despair. Yes, it's painful. Yes, we're going to hurt. Our emotions are going to be challenged. It's going to be sometimes to that place where we're like Daniel. We can't hardly breathe. Because of what we're going through. Peace of God. And you know, ministering angels. Now, I'm one who doesn't like to get too carried away with all the angel theology that's out there. But there are angels. And one of their primary roles is to minister to God's people. Messengers. Bringing messages. I don't understand how that always works. But it's very clear here that these angels were sent. And then there's a scripture in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14. Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Who are those people that will inherit salvation? All who have accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. Messengers for us. This is one of the ways. It's not the only way, but it's one of the ways that the Lord will speak to us. Speaks to us through his word. Speaks to us by his Holy Spirit. But he may speak to us through the ministering angels that he sends to each and every one of us. And third, we hear this in so many different forms, but we got to get it. We sang the song, Good, Good Father. The third one I want to mention is we need to be reminded over and over and over again that you are treasured by God. You are treasured by God. The angel, I think I saw three different places, and depending on your translations, there's different words used, but it says, Daniel, you are treasured by God. You are greatly valued by God. Even Daniel needed to be reminded once in a while of the treasure he was to the Lord. Daniel chapter 9, verse 23, the moment you began praying, a command was given, and now I am here to tell you what it is, for you are very precious to God. And it's repeated three different times 
to Daniel. In Deuteronomy 14.2, we see these words in regard to God's chosen people. He says, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God, and out of all the peoples on the face of the earth, the Lord has chosen you to be his treasured possession. The people of God are treasured by God. He loves them. Out of all the people on earth, God has chosen you and extended the grace to receive his gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. He's chosen us. We are a chosen people. We are that royal priesthood. Whether you feel like it or not, in those darkest moments, we need to be reminded God loves us. He treasures us. He hears our prayers and he answers our prayers. Life is a battle. And in some of those battles, we do get wrecked, but we don't lose the battle. We need to also be reminded sometimes that the truth is from the word of God that our life here on this earth is just a small speck, if even that, on the timeline of eternity. And we as Christians have the certain hope of spending eternity with Jesus Christ. If you're here and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, this doesn't apply to you until you do. It's a free gift given that crossed Jesus his very life. We're all sinners. The penalty for sin is declared to be death. Jesus died on our behalf. He paid a price we could never pay. And as evidence that the sacrifice was sufficient on the third day, Jesus was raised from the dead. The power of death, the power of sin had been broken. If you've never, ever accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, do it today. Don't wait. And simply what that means is acknowledging your sin and acknowledging that Jesus as the Son of God took that sin and the punishment that we deserved and died in their place. And because of that great gift, we surrender our lives back to him. That would be our prayer for every single one of us here, that we would know the hope that we have in Christ. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we, I rejoice, we rejoice in the promises of God, the promises in your word that are for us. Father, we praise you and thank you for giving us a glimpse of the humanity of these spiritual giants in our mind like a Daniel. To know that even in the darkest of times, when he was distraught and emotionally wrecked, his faith in you stood strong. That you didn't reject him. You didn't disown him. You didn't even rebuke him. You didn't accuse him because of his pain or his suffering. Because he never, ever lost his faith and confidence in you. God, give us the grace to be like a Daniel. That as we walk through these darknesses, these times in our lives when the battles are raging around us and we are wounded and we are hurting, that we would keep our eyes focused on you. That we may truly be damaged or wrecked in the battle, but we do not lose the war.
We know the final chapter is yet to be written, but we know the outcome, that Jesus is coming back and his church will spend eternity with him. I pray, God, that if there would be any here today that do not know Jesus, Holy Spirit, that you would pursue them. Give them the grace to receive the gift of salvation this morning. Father, now as we go our separate ways with this holiday that we have here in the United States, give us opportunities to share the real freedom that there is available in Christ. Watch over us and protect us and keep us safe as we travel. Be with those that are out enjoying the weekend, camping, traveling, spending time with family. Keep them safe. Father, we pray that all that we do brings glory and honor to you. And we ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.